Um, this morning, I just want to declare about his kindness. Um, I'm astounded by his kindness. Uh, maybe you can, it's a bit boomy, Carl. Um, and I think that's a beautiful picture of his kindness. Um, and if you know that story, there's a whole lot of other men that want to stone and kill her, don't they? Because uh, they were they were they were they were a little bit short on kindness that day. <laughs> they hadn't quite had it deposited into them yet. But when kindness turned up on the scene, when love turned up on the scene, when grace turned up, when mercy turned up, when joy, peace, righteousness entered into her realm, kindness got demonstrated for not only that woman to experience, but for those men that lack kindness. They lack love. They lack joy. He's so kind. And, you know, put yourself in her shoes for two seconds. Just imagine being her. Imagine the feelings that she experienced by receiving the kindness when all these other men want to stone her. And I'm imagining she probably knew the law as well. That she knew that she was caught in adultery. Yes, it says stone those caught in adultery. But when kindness turns up, she gets to experience the opposite of what she deserved according to the law. How many people have received the opposite of what you really truly deserve? If we were taking it by the law. And Jesus, as we know, he came and he embodied the law. He became the law. The law was walking fleshly in our lives. Kindness, mercy, faithfulness, trustworthy. These are some of the things we've been talking about. The greatness of who he is. And I just want to continue to share about the kindness that I know. The kindness that I, Danielle and I and our children and through as a community that we've experienced in the hope that what is declared, the living word that is declared would encourage us all to seek him to a measure that we would experience his kindness to such a degree that it would lead us, the Bible says, to repentance and turn and continue to walk towards him forever. But see, our perspective gets in the way at times, doesn't it? Our perspective may be true, it may not be, but perspective is very powerful. So do you have a reference point today for the kindness of God? What is our, your perspective when it comes to his kindness? Because do you see him as someone who is grumpy, who's always punishing, who is always just on top of you? Or do you see him as someone who is loving, kind, generous, compassionate? What is our perspective on God? It will determine everything. Everything. It will determine what you think of yourself. See, how does God see us needs to be the image that we look to. Amen? Not my self-talk, not my self-mindset, but how he sees me. I'm not worthy of his kindness, but he made me worthy. So he came when I was not worthy and makes me worthy. That is worth laying one's life down for purely. Never mind all the other things that he blesses his people with. When we lay down our lives and through obedience say, no longer my will, your will be done. His kindness is astounding. A st-
astounded by his kindness is the thing that I hope we walk away with today. So Romans 2 is where we're going to start. And who knows where we finish? He does. Romans 2. We're going to read 1 to 4. And I'm just going to put these on. Okay, Romans 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? You're going to judge someone else? Not a good idea. Someone's going to judge you. For you who judge practice the same thing. Oh, we like to rationalize that one away, don't we? Oh no, I, I, and you might not do that particular thing, but you know what? Doesn't matter. Something else. Just breathing as the nature of man separates us from God. Verse two. And we know that the judgment of God, God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? And I would encourage you to go on and read that for the greater context of what Paul is writing about here. But I want to focus this morning on those verse 4 and unpack this for us. Because I just think it's it's so profound, the words contained here in verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Aye, thanks, God. Sweet. Or is it something that you've come to know? Like this woman and the magnitude of what she was faced with and mercy and kindness come on the scene and release her from death. Her life was turned. Because it says the kindness of God leads to repentance. What is repentance? It means to turn and to start walking in a completely different way to the way you were. It means to change the way you think on a particular subject or substance and literally have the mind completely renewed to a new way of thinking and to live that new way of thinking out. I hope this morning that over from when Mel spoke to when Sandra spoke to when I spoke last week, you are hearing the substance of Christ that your heart and your mind would grab by faith and that living word would enter into you and that you would turn you from the lives that you may be currently living which are outside of him. I don't mean sin, I mean laying our lives down and not living for self and move towards his reality for us as a body firstly. And then as individuals. <clears throat> but do we think lightly, my Bible says, of that? Which means there's no real appreciation. I'll take it. I don't really respect it or honor it, but I'll have it. 
and then I'll just live for me. And some of the things we're trying to instill into our girls right now is to appreciate what you have and to not abuse what you've been given. But that's our nature, isn't it? We always seem to want more. Oh, thanks. What about the next thing? Thanks. What about the next thing? And then where's that present you got? Oh, I don't know. Where's the new shirt you got for your birthday? Oh, I don't know. Where are the togs? Oh, I don't know. Anyone else relating to this? Oh, I don't know. Well, where did you last have them? I don't know. Mr. I don't know knows a lot. And we're all guilty of this. Why? Because we don't value the very thing we've been given. We don't value it. And so we have no respect for it. So we don't care. But then it says this in the next verse, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. And there's two stories I want to look at this morning, which are unbelievable of God's kindness. And I want to ask you to put yourself in the clothes, in the shoes of the two people that are present. Because this will give you an idea of the response that God's looking for from you and I. That's there as a picture. It's a type to show you a person that we're called to be. I believe everyone in scripture is. Paul is a type of church. He's a type of people. That's why he says, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Be apostolic in the way you think and in the way you live. Be selfless, sacrificial, set apart and sent. Imitate me, that's who I was. Become like me. And there's truckloads of other scriptures that back that up. Laying your life down is called to be sacrificial, isn't it? And selfless. Has the kindness of God grabbed hold of your heart and your mind and propelled you into living completely different to the flesh? Yet. I'm hoping this year more and more. I'm hoping with all the hope that I have in me as the leader of this family that we are going to go, you know what, today's the day, if it wasn't last week, today is the day that I put all that aside, today is the day that boots and all with everything I've got, I just throw myself into you, and you know what, you'll be caught. And he's waiting, and his kindness has been demonstrated, but there's more. That's what I can't get over, there's so much more. He's limitless. He's boundaryless. It's like an abundance. It's like all-consuming. You can't contain it. He's just so much. And just when you think you've had enough, there's more. <laughs> he says, I'm the God of the abundance. Life and life abundant. My kindness isn't limited. I can pour it out on every single person 10 trillion times over. I know no limit. I know no boundary. My love is so encapsulating. My kindness, all the same thing because it's him. And there are these, this lady and two people we're going to look at today that received the kindness of God and turned and walked differently. So motivations for coming to Christ. Some people come out of fear. 
None of these motivations are wrong. Different motivations, but I believe ultimately there is an there is a position that God would want to lead us to. So if you've come to Christ out of fear, awesome. He's met you. You're in his family. But I would encourage you to move from fear to kindness. From fear to love. Because each of these positions, they do have a thought process attached to them. And they do have an outworking attached to them. So my children may obey me out of fear. But is that the position as dad that I want them to obey me from? What do you think is happening every time dad sneezes? <gasps> is that the home that I want to create? No. No. Because dad shouts a lot. Especially when the football's on. <laughs> Let me just take a drink. So maybe it's fear. Fear of death. Fear of hell. Fear of being left behind. Maybe you've come to the Lord through creation and design. Maybe you went, yeah, the monkey story's not doing it for me. I'm a bit of a monkey, but I'm not that dumb. <laughs> the thought of mud, no, 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 that's just not it. So you've come to him through design, creation, the truth, the facts. You've added it up and gone, you know what? Yep, that is the best story or, or reality I've heard, and I'm going to put all my chips there. Okay, Maybe it's through the influence of others. Maybe you've seen someone's life and you've gone, man, they're different. Mate, they're so different to me. They have something I don't have. And through that process, that friendship, whatever that is, that work colleague, that neighbor, I don't know, family member, you've come to a measure of knowing him through that. You're in his family. Fabulous. Awesome. But I do believe this position of kindness, this position of love, this position of compassion, like the woman, when you know you don't deserve it, when you know you're a sinner of sinners, when you know that you literally don't deserve and there is nothing good in you, and kindness comes upon you and stands there and says, none of that disqualifies you. In fact, it qualifies you. To receive. And there is a connection that happens between that realm and the realm of kindness and love. And there's an infusion that happens. And all of a sudden, naturally, I'm turning towards following the call I heard, come follow me. And that old life is left. And it's not easy, but it's left. And there's a walking too. And so when God's kindness comes, and it will come time and time and time and time, there's a greater repentance, because repentance is a lifestyle. It's not a one-off thing that you did 20 years ago at the cross. It's living a lifestyle of having the cross define you. That's why he says, pick it up daily and come follow me. There's a war between flesh and spirit. That's the real battle. That is the real battle, guys. Yes, there is an enemy, but that's not the real. But the real battle is between right here and here and think of flesh and spirit and who's going to win. The enemy comes, he wants to push all those flesh buttons. You overcome that war, you overcome him. 
That's what the Bible says. What does it say? Blood of the cross, power of your testimony. You get testimony after testimony after testimony of his kindness. (laughs) Whatever. The flesh becomes less, 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 less. More spirit, spirit, spirit. Can you hear what I'm saying? But we do love to get things slightly around the wrong way and build him up, enemy, and give him all the credit because it justifies us from actually laying our lives down and going on the true journey. Hence, we struggle to be in the life. But here is Christ. And here he is. So let's go to Luke 8. And let's have a look at these two people. Luke 8 verses 26. I'll read quite quickly because there's quite a bit to get through. Luke 8, 26. It's about the man who called himself Legion because he had a demon, he had a legion of demons in him. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. As I'm reading this, listen to this man's situation. Place yourself into his life. You think your life's bad? This is bad. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Verse 32. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd rushed down to the steep bank and into the lake and was drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it into the city and out into the country. The people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind for the first time. Imagine what that's like. His reality has been changed. Because kindness rocked up. Kindness wasn't afraid of what it was confronted with either. And all the people, uh, sorry, those, uh, where am I up to? What verse? 36. Thanks, guys. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave. <laughs> A lot of love going on again, eh? I always find this funny. For they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city 
what great things God had done. This man is in absolute bondage, turmoil, pain. Doesn't even know who the real man is inside of all that because he's got a legion of demons. He lives in caves. He walks among the cemetery. He's naked. They People try and put him in chains to control him, to limit him, but he bursts that open because that's how strong the demons are. And when kindness turns up, everything's about to change. He's going to experience life for the first time. He's going to experience joy for the first time. He's going to know what it's like. The Bible says to be in his right mind because kindness invaded his life. And the people, well, they're worried about the income they just lost. It's funny, isn't it, what loss does? When you're consumed with yourself, you miss what he's doing. It's right in front of you and you miss it. And then you send him away. So the one who is kindness gets sent away. Why? Because fear grabbed hold of them. So yeah, I imagine it was a pretty fearful thing to see this man be released. It's in awe. Whoa, the enormity. But see how the thinking goes? Why didn't they go, wow, he's been set free. Wow, how incredible. This is, let's have a party and celebrate. No, they say, hey, kindness, leave. But this man is altered. This man has been changed. Listen to this. Begging him. Begging him. Can I come with you and lay my life down for you and your will and tell everybody about what you've done? Begging. Come on. He's begging to get on mission with God. He's begging. There's no rally cry. There's no great motivational speech. There's no one standing up there whipping it all up with loud music and guitars and smokes and everyone going, well, he's begging. I want to lay my life down. Why? Because kindness rocked up into his world and said, you know what? I love you. I care about you. I've seen your distress and I'm here today to set you free. Man, he is so good. He's outrageously good. He's outrageously kind. He has astounded me time and time and time again, even when I'm sinning. Even when I've sinned, he comes through. And that's not an excuse, but my behavior does not limit his kindness. My behavior doesn't disqualify his kindness. I can't get in the way. He is who he is and he will always be who he is. But what is my perspective on him? And so I'm here today to tell you again, he is kind and he is good and he is loving and he is compassionate and your behavior does not disqualify you. Your thinking thinking does not disqualify you. You belong to him. If you've repented and turned and asked him, you belong. And you are sealed, set and delivered in his family. But I'm urging us, to seek him more so his kindness would have us begging 
to get on board with him and his mission. To see the church established and built. We are it. I'm not talking about meetings. I'm talking about you and I being changed through the power of the truth. And then laying our lives down for one another firstly. Him and one another. Why? Because kindness is the anchor. No longer me on the throne. Him. And he begs him. And Jesus says, you know what? Return to your house and describe what great things God has done. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city. Not his house. It's, it's when you're allowed to be disobedient. I'm sure Jesus went, mate, look at that guy. He's taken what I said and he's gone boom by faith. He's taken the words I've said and now look at him. Look at that connection between me and him. He's running with that thing. So he went to the whole city. Telling them about the things that kindness had done. Let's go have a look at another one. Mark 1 verses 40. Mark 1 verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him was saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. I didn't think you were supposed to associate with lepers. Certainly don't touch him, do you? Don't you catch it if you touch it? I don't know. But weren't lepers supposed to be put outside of the the camp? And Jesus got it wrong. But Jesus, because he is the law, he fulfilled the law, he embodies the law, he walks right past and says, hey man, it's your lucky day. Because I'm going to reach out and touch you. Why? Because I'm kind. And I'm good. And I am love. And I embody what love looks like. And you're about to receive a reality that you do not yet know. And he said, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Once again, have you ever had a sickness, disease, and God healed you of it? What does it feel like? What does it feel like to have him come into a situation and go to work in your situation, and you know that you have not had a hand in that one iota. It's so powerful. It propels you. The power of the reality in you propels you literally out of one reality into another. What does it say? The kindness of God leads us to repent, to change, to move towards, to think differently, act differently. And we're going to be able to see this man is going to experience the kindness that I'm declaring. And I love this again. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent away. He said this, see that you say nothing to anyone. 
But go show yourself to the priest and offer for you a clean, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. I love that as a testimony to them. So everything he does is to bring reality back to himself, to glorify the Father. I think Sandra was talking about this. It wasn't just about bread and loaves of fish to a miracle. He's demonstrating who he is. I am the very thing. You can trust in me. I am the source of life. Don't just leave it at a miracle. Don't just leave it at a healing. The healing or whatever it is is there to help you turn to the person and discover the kindness of the person, which means you're turning from your life to him more and more and more. But it's so easy to keep it just at the physical reality that happened. Amazing. Healing. Provision. Miracle. Same person still. No change after a year. Another year. Still dealing with same stuff. Same stuff. Over, over, over. Excuse after excuse after excuse. You see, it's there to turn us. We don't finish there. It's a means towards kindness, love, compassion, the person. Can you hear me? So he says this, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter into the city. (laughs) That is one dude on fire. With raw passion for Christ. Jesus is going, I'm loving it, man, but I really wanted to minister there. (laughs) Why? He's a leper. He knows what it's like to be a leper. He knows what it's like to feel the the response of people as a leper. He knows what it's like to be an outcast. He knows what it's like to never be good enough. He has all that knowledge. He probably started telling himself, this is never going to get healed of. This is my life forever. But then kindness turns up on the scene. And kindness sees things, sees beyond other things and moves straight in. And says, today is the day. Come here. I'm not limited by that. And I'm going to reach in and I'm going to touch you as a leper. Be healed. He is outrageously good. He is outrageously fearless. And nothing and no one can hold him in what he wants to see accomplished. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. See, they go hand in hand. You know, we went out for dinner last night. I had this beautiful chicken meal, which had this beautiful sauce within it. It was beautifully presented. I've been watching MasterChef. We watch it. So I'm getting real interested in, you know, like we have a look and we go, oh, pretty. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, Danny said, I'm waiting. I don't cook it. I just eat it. <laughs> I'm an expert judge. That's what the kids made me. So I said, oh, I'll be judge. Okay, I'll grab that one. But I'm, you know, in presentation, I was looking at it. It was presented nicely, you know, sort of. And I said to Lily, I said, hey, Lil, 
They sniff it because that's what they do on the show. You know, they sniff it. Oh yeah, it smells lovely. Cut into it. It's like, whoa, it's so tender. And it ends up, oh, man, taste the sauce that was in the, the, the chicken that was like a, ch- a creamy cheese sauce, you know, and it, oh, and, and, and it was loaded with this sort of tomato sauce. And I was like, man, this is beautiful. And I could see that the chicken was good. I knew that this was a good meal. Why? Because I'd taste it. And I said, actually, I didn't offer it. That would be a lie. <laughs> but I was telling people about how good the chicken was. I said to these guys, what's your meal like? As you do, what's your, oh, it's beautiful. You're not getting any, but it's beautiful. And because I tasted and the excitement of how beautiful it tasted and how good it looked, I told the staff how amazing it was. And we all had a great meal. And we told them. Kindness realized, recognized, creates a language. And this man, he received it and he spoke. I remember when we gave $10 away at the Shell Garages and uh, we, if you weren't here at the time or don't know the story, we picked six garages, Shell Garages. Actually, it was 12 from memory. I think it was 12. And for two hours, we gave away $10 to every customer that came in. didn't matter if they drove a Beamer or a Mini or on a push bike. They got $10. And... That was interesting because we ran into some people who they were overwhelmed. Two people even cried. One person I remember had had their wallet nicked the night before clubbing and they had no money. So they weren't using it for petrol. I said, there you go. And yet there were these other people and they didn't want it. In fact, one guy got very aggressive with me. I don't need your charity, mate. Just trying to help. (laughs) But what causes that? Because sometimes when you try and be kind, it doesn't quite go the way you think it might go. That doesn't matter, though. But what I started thinking about is, do we struggle to receive? Do we struggle to receive his kindness? Do we struggle to receive his goodness? Do we struggle to receive who he says he is and who he says we are? And we end up rejecting and pushing back quite aggressively because the fear of that is too much. And so he's kind. He's loving. You are his. If you've invited him in, you're his. You're in his family. You belong. Don't allow, and this is why seeking him, because we can't change ourselves, can we? We literally can't go on this complete transformational process of changing ourselves. Yes, we can modify our behavior and our ways a bit. Yep, and the world's onto that. But ultimate change, no. We find yourself back when the right environment happens and the button 
button. Button. The button comes out now and again. And the, the button gets pressed. Ugly comes out. I'm just going to read you one last passage and then, uh, Jay, if you guys can come up and I want you to play that song, you're beautiful. And, uh, and then I'm going to invite you to something. So if the team can come up, that'd be awesome. Uh, and I'm going to read this passage, which once again just, just declares how amazing, incredible, outrageous, Unbelievable, wondrous he is. And this is Romans 5 verses 6. Romans 5 verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Thank you. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I thank you, Father, that while we were all sinners, trapped in this body, and death and judgment was awaiting us, you saw us like you saw the leper, and you came to the leper, and the leper came to you. You saw the man that had the demons, and he saw you. He came to you and you came to him. And you saw every one of us here. And you said, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'm going to model something that you all can be reconciled back unto me. For God so loved the world. For God so loved his creation, mankind, womankind. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall have life and life to the full. It says there more, more, how much more? If he died for us while we were like that, what's it like now that we've been reconciled, guys? It's limitless, boundaryless, and abundance. It's kindness. Kindness grabbed me in 1997. And I knew, I knew that I was a sinner that did not deserve anything. 
And he'd already, if you know my testimony, he'd already come five times. And I still would not turn and repent. But his kindness kept coming. Coming. And I'm here today to tell you, I've entered into a how much more. As amazing as that day was, 1997, today is far greater to the life that he's led me into through his kindness.